Welcome to this episode of CDM Media's Solution Spotlight. I'm your host, J.D. Miller, and I'm happy to be joined today by Chris Kubik, CISO from Fidelis Cybersecurity. Chris has been with Fidelis for just shy of a year, but spent 32 years with the National Security Agency, where he spent many of his years there as the NSA's CISO. If you aren't familiar with Fidelis, Fidelis, I love their tagline, detect, hunt, and respond. Network detention and response, digital forensics, and incident response to hunt down threats that evade traditional security solutions. Today's topic, avoiding the crippling effects of ransomware through early detection and response. Should be a fun discussion. When I come back, I'll be joined by Chris. Chris, thanks for joining us again. It's my pleasure to be here with you today again, JD. So I, I, I'm curious, when we talk about the many different types of cyber attacks here at CDM Media and with our security solutions vendors, well, how, can you talk a little bit to us about how ransomware compares to various attack tactics and what the, really the true differences are? Uh, absolutely, JD. Uh, you know, to kind of start out, you know, when, when we talk about ransomware in comparison to other kinds of attacks, in many cases, the attacks are all following a, a similar set of attack steps and, and even in many cases are using common attack techniques to gain access to the system. You know, for instance, you know, they all have a set of techniques they're going to use to gain the initial access into the system. They're going to lay down some persistence. They're going to you know, ultimately move laterally through systems to own the network and, and then, you know, ultimately collect, stage, and exfiltrate sensitive data. Um, so sure, each, uh, you know, each attack group or, or attack campaign uh, is going to use some unique exploitation tools and they have their own unique techniques um, and they string things together a little bit differently, but they all follow this similar flow. Uh, so in my mind, uh, you know, the main thing that differentiates a ransomware attack from any other type of uh, advanced attack is the attacker's end goal. And, and just to provide a couple of examples here, uh, you know, the attack may be performed by a nation state attacker, uh, you know, aimed at, you know, they're really aimed at gaining some political, military, financial advantage or, or somehow furthering their, their government uh, uh, agenda. Uh, and, and there's a whole array of possible attack objectives here to include, you know, stealing advanced technology and or stealing sensitive government information or spreading distrust and disinformation, uh, which, uh, you know, we've certainly seen some examples of that recently. Um, you know, alternatively, the attack may be launched by a group whose objective is to embarrass or discredit an individual or an organization as part of a, a you know, a cyber hacktivism type of campaign. Um, or, you know, finally, the attack may be performed by cyber criminals, uh, you know, out trying to make a buck, uh, whether that's stealing and selling um, or at least threatening to sell sensitive or personal information through a data breach or degrading or disabling systems uh, and then extorting funds from the victim to recover the systems. Uh, you know, so obviously when we talk about ransomware, it falls into this last category and their end goal is for you to be sufficiently motivated to pay a ransom. Uh, and over the past year, we, we've seen the attackers really ramp up their tactics to increase the pain levels for organizations in order to um, encourage them to pay the ransom. Uh, we've also seen a, a corresponding increase in the size of the ransoms being demanded by the attackers, you know, well into to, uh, millions or tens of millions of dollars in some cases. Uh, so the bottom line here is the, the ransomware uses similar tactics and techniques as other types of attacks to exploit the systems, but has a different end goal in mind. 
And, and really, uh, kind of the only good news in, in all of this is that uh, since the attackers use similar tactics and techniques, it makes it um, a little easier for us as defenders to protect ourselves against ransomware attacks, um, you know, because, you know, we already have or we should have uh, tools in place to detect and block the basic attack techniques used in ransomware campaigns. Uh, the key here, um, you know, as you mentioned just a few minutes ago, the key here is that you really need to be able to detect and respond to ransomware uh, attack techniques in a cyber relevant time before significant damage is done. And, and by significant damage, you know, I'm talking before data has been exfiltrated from the systems or, or, um, or your systems have been taken offline. So when we look at ransomware over time, how do you think it has evolved? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, at Fidelis, we have a threat research team and they're uh, continually tracking the tactics, techniques and procedures used by the attackers. And we've certainly seen a major shift over the past year or so in how ransomware attacks are executed. Uh, the attackers have, you know, they've really shifted from the shotgun approach that they were using that was, you know, primarily targeting home users and, and you know, trying to uh, you know, collect a few hundred, uh, you know, a few hundred dollars a pop from from home users uh, to they've now moved to a much more strategic approach where they're targeting high profile, either public or private institutions, uh, you know, uh, folks that have deep pockets, financial means to pay large sums of ransom. Um, you know, the attackers are, are then taking their time to, to fully own the victim's network and search through the network to find and exfiltrate sensitive data from the environment before they begin encrypting systems. Um, and then, you know, finally, the attackers are, are encrypting uh, more strategic, you know, more the more the critical infrastructure systems within those organizations versus endpoints uh, in order to increase the impact on the company's business operations. And, and once again, this is really aimed at, at increasing their level of pain and, and you know, encouraging them to, to pay their ransom. So by doing this, the attackers, you know, have significantly raised the stakes uh, for the victims. Um, you know, they've threatened, threatening to, to publicly post the exfiltrated data if the ransom's not paid uh, and, and really taking out business critical systems uh, that can bring a company's operations to a standstill. Uh, so the end, the end result is this more strategic trend um, requires more work and time for the attacker uh, you know, to fully research and compromise the victim's environment, um, which increases the time between from the, the initial exploit when they first gain that access into the environment uh, till they're, you know, till they're doing significant damage, uh, you know, taking systems offline. Um, so this is, this is kind of good news for defenders as, as, you know, they had more time to be able to detect and respond to the attack before the damage is done. However, uh, you know, as these attacks are, are always evolving, you know, recently, uh, you know, we've seen examples of ransomware attacks that, that went from an initial phishing email to enterprise-wide exploitation in under five hours. So, so this just kind of shows that the attackers will continue to evolve their attack techniques and, and they're incorporating, um, you know, automation and analytics just like we are in order to streamline their attacks. And, and we as defenders just uh, will need to be continually um, kind of evolving our defenses and enhancing our defenses in order to keep pace. So can you talk about what you've seen in terms of ransomware threats related to COVID-19 and work from home users? Uh, certainly, J.D. Uh, you know, once again, our, our threat research team uh, has seen a significant shift in the attacks that uh, specifically target work at home users and the infrastructures that support these employees. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, ransomware, like all cyber attacks, it requires the attacker to gain an initial foothold within the system that they can then leverage to kind of move laterally through systems and expand their access. 
And it's this initial uh, foothold is, is often gained, you know, through unpatched vulnerabilities in an application or a system or through, you know, phishing and social engineering attacks. Um, and when we talk about, you know, COVID-19 and work at home users and infrastructures, that's really a target rich environment for attackers to gain that initial foothold, uh, you know, whether they're, uh, you know, attacking unpatched vulnerabilities in the actual end systems that the uh, work at home users are using, uh, whether it's unpatched vulnerabilities in the VPNs that we use to remote, you know, gain remote access into our corporate infrastructures, whether they're, you know, uh, compromising accounts associated with VPN logons or, or even, uh, you know, compromising the accounts based with, uh, you know, uh, compromising the accounts uh, associated with the cloud-based services, um, you know, that, um, that we've been rolling out to our work at home um, employees. So, you know, once they've gained their initial foothold, the attackers can then swim upstream into the corporate infrastructure and mount the more damaging and costly uh, ransomware attacks that we talked about earlier. So, so I think the biggest change here is, 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 you know, we just have a much more exposed set of endpoints out there uh, through our work at home employees. And, and we need to make sure that we're securing those so that these don't become the initial foothold for ransomware attacks. So what do you recommend in terms of best practices to prevent ransomware attacks or at least mitigate the effects of a ransomware attack? Uh, that's uh, another great question. And, and for that, I recommend our customers really take kind of a three-pronged approach to reducing the risk of ransomware. You know, first is to reduce the attack surface. And the key here is to ensure you're just doing you know, a really good job at cyber hygiene. And by that, I mean, you know, diligent patching, you know, particularly for those um, exposed systems um, you know, that you have good account and password management processes and, and in place um, and, and certainly ensuring that your employees are using complex, hard to guess passwords. And to the extent that you can back those up with two uh, factor authentication, then that's a, a, a huge benefit there. And then finally, uh, deploying robust endpoint protection to work at home computers, as you know, many of these systems are exposed to the Internet through insecure home networks. And, and we've already kind of talked about you know, how those can be a launching point for ransomware attacks. Um, so I would also include in this uh, the need to really continually reinforce security best practices with your employees, uh, particularly as they're working at home, uh, and, you know, and, and make, you know, include the best practices for, uh, you know, both detecting and reporting phishing and social engineering attacks, because these tend to be the, the primary attack vector used by, uh, by the attackers. Uh, for endpoint protection, I recommend um, a combination of um, automated vulnerability management software to keep the endpoints up to date with the latest software and patches, uh, antivirus software to be able to catch those signature-based threats, and then I also uh, recommend um, adding in endpoint detection and response capabilities to be able to, do, to detect uh, and catch those more stealthy attacks. And uh, for the endpoint detection response, uh, you know, I, I believe that adds, uh, you know, a lot of benefits for work at home employees uh, because they really enable your security operation team to remotely investigate threats, you know, quarantine a, a device should it become compromised um, and then do the follow up uh, kind of forensic analysis to determine how it's compromised, uh, you know, make the changes necessary to return that device to a secure state. And then, uh, and then to be able to, you know, apply some global policy updates across your remaining remote devices so that they don't be, come compromised the, the same way that uh, the device that I was just talking about is compromised. Um, kind of the second major uh, uh, kind of strategy in this three-pronged approach is ensuring that your defenses are able to detect the indicators of compromise related to ransomware 
early in the attack kill chain so that you can detect and block uh, a ransomware attack before significant damage is done. And the key here is really having an integrated security stack backed by analytics and automation to enable you to, to correlate the anomalous activity that uh, uh, that's occurring within your enterprise, be able to attack those, uh, be able to detect attacks early in the kill chain with confidence, um, meaning you know not uh, not having to troll through a bunch of false positives, and then ultimately be able to enable uh, automated responses in order to be able to block the attack before it's too late. And uh, you know this is an area where Fidelis has some some really good solutions in this space. Uh, you know, kind of like fi finally for this part of the uh, strategy, you know, there's a lot of smaller organizations out there that just don't have the resources to be able to monitor their networks and be able to, um, you know, detect these types of advanced threats. And for these smaller organizations, uh, you know, I recommend that, uh, you know, that they, uh, you know, uh, contract with a managed detection and response service provider uh, in order to have, you know, somebody that has the uh, depth and experience to be able to uh, do the proactive monitoring needed to be able to detect these advanced threats like uh, ransomware. And then, uh, you know, kind of the third part of the strategy is, you know, you, you, you try to defend as best you can, you try to detect it early, but uh, you need to be prepared for, you know, what happens if if uh, my defenses fail and, and I am, uh, or do become the victim of a ransomware. And, and for that, you need to have a good disaster recovery and business continuity plan in place that allows you to, you know, kind of quickly respond um, and recover uh, your systems. And key key for, you know, the key elements here are, you know, first of all, a documented plan um, and the supporting playbooks, um, but more importantly, that uh, a plan that you've rehearsed on a regular basis uh, so that everybody kind of knows what they need to do and they're able to execute quickly if you have, um, you know, become a victim of a ransomware attack. And then, you know, going along with this, you, you obviously need solid um, offline backups for business critical data and systems. Um, and you need uh, the expertise to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to respond and recover your systems uh, from ransomware. And, and um, you know, for that, if you don't have in-house incident response expertise, then, then once again, here's an area where, you know, there's plenty of uh, incident response teams out there that provide um, services. And, and certainly having an incident response team on retainer is a, is a good idea. Uh, but you know, the, the bottom line here is this all needs to be planned out in advance uh, because when you're in the kind of the throes of a ransomware attack, you, you don't have time to think through this carefully. Um, and, and so you need, to, you need to do this work up front. Um, and then kind of the final area here is, you know, uh, particularly as ransomware attacks have evolved and they now uh, usually have a data breach component associated with them. Uh, you, you want to make sure you have your general counsel weigh in on your, uh, you know, business continuity and your uh, your response plans to ensure you've adequately covered the data privacy and data breach compliance aspects of, of a ransomware attack. I want to talk about the idea of payment, which is usually associated with ransomware attacks. If your enterprise is the unfortunate recipient, what is your take on whether you should pay the ransom or not? Uh, yet another good question um, and, and really a difficult uh, question for organizations. Uh, but I think it really comes down to, you know, when, you're, when it comes down to whether or not you're, you're going to pay the ransom, you know, the com companies really need to weigh the pros and cons and, and ultimately make the decision based on kind of what works best for the individual company, meaning there's, there's just really no universal answer to this. I mean, some companies uh, uh, have the expertise and, and have done a good job at backups and they can uh, down the path of trying to recover without paying the ransom, but for other companies, um, that's just not an option for them. 
but you know, that said, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of paying ransoms because it, in my mind, it further emboldens and finances the cyber criminals. Um, and even if you do pay the ransom, there's no guarantee uh, you know, that they're going to provide you with the keys needed to recover your data and systems. Uh, you know, and even if they do provide the keys, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's always the potential that the systems uh, were corrupted during the, uh, the, uh, you know, encryption process and, and, and are unrecoverable even with the keys. And you also need to be concerned that, uh, you know, the, the uh, cyber criminals, uh, you know, by paying the ransom, there's no guarantee that they're going to back out of your systems. And, and, you know, there's a good possibility that they've retained a backdoor in your systems that would allow them to attack you again at a later date if they choose to do that. Um, if you do, uh, if you do decide uh, not to pay the ransom, then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you obviously need to have a, had, you know, solid backup and recovery plans in place to allow you to reconstitute the systems. Uh, but regardless of whether you pay the ransom or not, you know, just kind of keying on what I just mentioned earlier, you need to do the work to investigate how the attackers gained access to your systems and ensure that you fully ejected them from your systems. Um, you know, the attackers, they're very good at maintaining, maintaining persistence in your environment, and you really need that trained incident response team that, that has the uh, kind of the knowledge and, and tools to be able to permanently remove them from your systems. Um, if you do decide to pay the ransom um, and you are able to recover your data and systems, you know, this is this path's likely the quickest way to get your business operations uh, up and running. So there are certainly lots of organizations that are, you know, have, have, have going down this path. Um, and uh, I would say I would say kind of a, as a final thought in this topic, um, there's been uh, some interesting developments recently uh, in both the UK and the US related to, you know, the the potential for the government imposing fines for organizations that pay ransoms to uh, cyber cr criminals uh, located in sanctioned countries. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I see this as a positive development uh, by the governments trying to uh, discourage ransomware payments. Um, and um, however, I think the enforcement of these new regulations is going to be a little challenging uh, because it would be difficult for the governments to determine, you know, whether or not the payments, any payments you made, uh, usually in untraceable Bitcoin, uh, were made to a group uh, in a sanctioned country or not. So it's going to be interesting to see how that that plays out and whether that has any you know positive or negative effects on whether people decide to pay ransoms or not. So any closing thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners around this subject? Uh, well, you know, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. You know, this is certainly an interesting topic and one that's high on the radar of most, if not all, you know, CISOs, CIOs. Um, you know, as mentioned a few times today, you know, the, the key is really to be able to detect the ransomware attack before the significant damage is done. And, and I believe Fidelis has some really innovative solutions to help our customers protect and de defend their enterprise environments from advanced threats, you know, like, you know, such as ransomware. Um, you know, we also have a number of partnerships with leading managed detection and response service providers, as well as with incident response service providers. And, and we can help to pair you up uh, with one of those service providers if you, you know, do not have that in-house expertise or, or want to outsource this function to a service provider. But the bottom line here is that, it, you know, if you still have lingering concerns about whether or not you have the sufficient protections in place against these advanced threats, then, you know, I would suggest, uh, you know, reaching out to our sales team and, and they can walk you through the, the different solutions we offer for protecting and detecting and responding to, to, to ransomware and really a whole host of other advanced threats. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. 
Well, thank you uh, once again for the opportunity to talk to you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of CDM Media Solution Spotlight brought to you by Fidelis. Be sure to visit cdmmedia.com to listen to our past episodes of CDM's Solution Spotlight.